game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, it was exciting, but ultimately disappointing for the Edmonton Oilers this afternoon in Columbus. They lose 6-5 to the Blue Jackets, so they go 0-1-1 against the worst team in the league this year. Just a dismal opening 27 minutes to this game for the Oilers. They fell behind 4-0. Jack Campbell got pulled after allowing four goals on 14 shots. They came to life tying it with four goals in eight minutes and two seconds, including a brilliant shorthanded goal from Connor McDavid. But ultimately, they could not get over the top in the third, even though they outshot Columbus 23-6 in the final 20 minutes of the game. Jack Roslovich scored twice. Zach Hyman scored late with Skinner pulled for an empty netter. So the Oilers are beaten in regulation time for just the second time in their last 18 games, 11-2-5 during that stretch. They are now 32-20-8 on the season. Hope you're having a good Saturday. It's 127. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, it looked like it might be out of hand. It looked like for a while this might be one that uh, wouldn't even be worth finishing, staying engaged to the end for a lot of Oilers fans. As it turned out, uh, I mean, it was it was exciting, and the Oilers did some things well. The problem is they didn't start doing them until you're already down 4 nothing. Yeah, they put themselves in a mighty big hole to dig out of, uh, and they did, but that second period ended, and it ended with the game tied, and, and you and I were talking, saying, well, I mean, this is not how Columbus would want to get here, but the fact that they're going into the third period tied against a team that uh, would be, on paper, a much stronger team, Columbus probably, oh, you know what, we're tied, we'd take that before the game, uh, and then goaltending. Uh, and defensive miscues were the difference in this hockey game. Uh, Columbus got a fantastic goaltending effort in the third period. Scorposalo faced a game's worth of shots in 20 minutes and was outstanding. And then the Oilers, a couple of mental mistakes, giving up an odd man rush and giving up a wide open backdoor play on Skinner. And all of a sudden, everything was for naught. The excitement that... Oilers fans would have had at the end of second period, the excitement that Connor McDavid had brought to uh, his teammates and to uh, the group that were watching was for nothing as the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, credit to them, after having a 4 nothing lead disappear, found a way in the third t- period to, to get it done. So uh, it was exciting, but it was a game that I think that the Oilers players are probably thinking, you know, we probably let a couple points slip away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They didn't, and again, I mean, lifeless for about the first 27 minutes of the game. I mean, one nothing Columbus after the first period. And kind of neither team did a whole bunch, but yep. Columbus got, got the goal. And then, but then, you know, you come out for the second period, Columbus got three goals in a span. Of, one, of the, one of the worst offensive teams in the league. You allow them to score three times in... Uh, in four minutes and 23 seconds. Yeah, and the one thing that always keeps the Oilers in the in a game is power plays. And uh, 
Fogel makes a nice individual effort, gets the, the Oilers back in the game, and then some penalties. So I'm not sure if without those power plays, if the Oilers would have continued to push forward, but they got their power plays. They got a goal, five on three. Uh, things were going right their way. But And what I said with Bob, it, as, as good as the Oilers were, especially in the third period, Five goals on 47 shots. I think that's what you would expect. As much as good as a goaltending effort it was by Corpusalo, that was. I mean, he was. He only stopped 89% of the shots in this game, which is not a good save percentage. So the others got what they deserved offensively, but they gave up way too much. This is a Columbus. This isn't Colorado that so, scored six. It's not the Rangers. It's not the Bruins. This is a Columbus team that is terrible offensively, and. The Oilers gave up six. So to me, it's not so much what Corpusalo did in net as it is that the Oilers defensively had enough breakdowns to allow uh, a team that doesn't score six goals. They tried outscoring their mistakes today, and they weren't able to. No, I, I having said that, Corpusalo made some good saves. Oh, he, he, did. He, oh, he did. He stopped 42 out of 47 and 21 out of 23 in the third. And, and basically, after Fogel scored until about maybe seven or eight minutes into the third, Columbus rarely had the puck. No, the Oilers were the better team, but and it was all, every line for the Oilers were pushing. But again, it was, uh, uh, the effort was a little late in coming. Oh, for sure. Um, the Oilers, Columbus is a team you want to be chasing you. Because if they're chasing you, they can't catch up because they're going to have to open it up, and they're not. that's not how they're built. But the Oilers, a couple big mistakes once they tied the game up. They were the better team in the third period. But the mis two mistakes they made uh, were is what cost them this hockey game. And Corpusalo was good. To, well, actually, he was excellent in the third period. But you just when you're pressing like that, you can't make the big mistake. And a two-on-one and then a backdoor wide-open player. With Columbus had two grade-A scoring chances, and that's all they needed in the third period. Well, Roslovich scored the go-ahead goal. 9:01 into the third, and the Oilers had 15 shots in the third period. <laughs> so that's, and we've talked about this a few times this year. Goalies that allow three, four, sometimes even five, but we're good. And as we often say, it's it's when you make the saves. So 4-4, four, four going into the third, he didn't. Because if the Oilers, I think, would have got the lead, I I don't think Columbus is then going no. back. You know, so that's when he did his best work. He didn't let the Oilers, as exciting as it was, he didn't let the Oilers get over the top and get the lead. And, and there were some great. I mean, I know someone does track the Grade A scoring chances. It was probably 15 to two in the third period in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the Columbus had the better goaltending today. I think it, it, it's that is one of the main keys. And the second key was the Oilers didn't come to to work on time. Uh, they weren't. Uh, they weren't good early, and now you're chasing a hockey club. Uh, Columbus uh, are pretty good when you're when they got the lead. They're not good chasing, and the Oilers gave them the opportunity to get that big lead, which they eventually got two points out of. So the Blue Jackets win it 6-5. Let's go at the mic for Eclipse Restoration. Named one of Western Canada's best restoration contractors three years in a row. Call 780-250-HELP or visit eclipse247.ca. Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. It's not just the start. I know we made it mounted a comeback, and um, we had some people that had some good efforts, but uh, not enough. Uh, too many passengers today for us, um, and in the end, um, not deal detailed enough, and we were made to pay. 
that's a very solid Columbus team. Uh, was there anything that they did in particular that maybe gave you guys some troubles? Um, you know what? I think we beat ourselves today in a lot of ways. Um, you know, it started with our puck plays. Second shift of the game, we're trying to pass through people instead of making an easy play. Ends up coming back our way and in our net. I think um, on the third one, um, you know, we, we try and pass through people. It comes back down. It's in our net. The, the fifth one, um, you know, we don't make a, a strong play and it ends up in the back of our net. Um, in the end, uh, when you make those types of plays in the National Hockey League, um, you know, it ends up in your back of your net more often than not. Um, so, you know, all credit to uh, Columbus for playing hard. Uh, certainly, um, you know, we're respectful of, of that, but, um, you know, I believe we beat ourselves today. With Connor, you know, puts up numbers and all that, but it seemed like one of the themes inside there was his physical play. He, he, he said himself, like, I felt we weren't right and I wanted to try and lead in a different yeah. way. Yeah, I thought uh, Connor played uh, very hard and tried to do things to spur the team on, but again, uh, it's the National Hockey League. You need all 20 people in the lineup um, to find ways to contribute to the win. Doesn't mean you have to have your A or A plus game every day, um, but we uh, we have a certain standard uh, in terms of our of our detail um, and an adherence to structure uh, that I didn't see a lot of tonight. And um, you know, as I said, we were made to pay. Um, we're going to take this medicine as it is. Doesn't go down very good, um, but um, you know, we know we can be better, and we're going to have to be. And it starts with a good practice tomorrow. What is the message you're going to give your team trying to adhere to that structure, especially with Boston? And Toronto coming in next year. We're going to see a little bit of video here to make sure uh, um, that that we get back to playing the, the way we need to play. Um, you know, I think uh, and if, if the last two regulation wins that we have on, on Tuesday and Thursday, we gave up two goals against. Uh, anytime we're flirting with the four or five and sixes, um, I don't think it's to our advantage. Um, so there's some things that we can tighten up. I you know, uh, I understand that it's the second regulation loss in 18 games. I understand that. Um, but for us to take a step forward and continue to collect points down the stretch, there's some things that we can do a whole lot better. And I don't think anybody in our dressing room is running from that. Um, we're going to need better efforts um, all around and starts with a good practice tomorrow to prepare for a good Boston team. Thanks, guys. Coach Jay Woodcroft, after a 6-5 loss to the Blue Jackets, he uh, used a word that uh, we've used a lot throughout the season. Uh, details also made an interesting comment. I don't know if you've ever used this phrase before, but a perfectly uh, a good description, trying to pass the puck through players. Tends tends to not work. And that's how you know part of the ways the Oilers got behind in this game. Well, one of the ways that you struggle against teams like Columbus or, or Philadelphia the other day is you try to make something out of nothing. We talked how Columbus and Philadelphia, teams near the bottom of the standings that don't have the talent of other teams, uh, they try to limit the events, the big, big play events in a hockey game. They try to make, bore it down, keep it simple. And where you get yourself into trouble is you lose your patience and instead of making the easy, simple play, you try forcing things. And when you force it, as uh, Jay Woodcroft talked about, by trying to put 
pucks through people. You're trying to find a guy that's not quite open, but I'd, maybe I can get it there. But when the puck doesn't get through, it's coming back the other way. And normally in an odd man break, uh, your forwards are up above them now. Now they're chasing. Uh, everyone's thinking the puck's going one way and now it's coming the other way. And that's how teams have a chance. How I mean, this the New Jersey Devils perfected this years and years ago uh, where they just played this complete trap game where, all right, we're, we're going to let you come out of the zone and if you don't make a simple play, if you try to do something hard, we will make you pay. Well, Columbus did that tonight and unfortunately for the Edmonton Oilers, they played right into that, especially early in the hockey game. And that's how Columbus got there. Columbus didn't beat guys one-on-one -on -one to create their chances. Most of their chances were created off of Edmonton Oilers' mistakes. All right, so the Blue Jackets win 6-5. The Japanese Village goal light is on. We turn that on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. Head to 630Ched.com. You can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurants. Come in and check out their new location at 3975 Calgary Trail. On Sunday, the Oilers scored five and didn't win for the first time all season, losing in overtime to Colorado. Today's the first time they lose in regulation time when scoring five or more. They're now 21 and one when getting to five. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to check in today, that was the hot that is the hotline for Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty Pro all the way. McDavid finishes with four points again, Rob, as he continues his uh, assault on what's going to be a career high in points. Uh, he has 113 now. He had 123 last year. Still a chance to get to 150 for the first time since someone did it in the 90s. Um, I, I mean, he got angry today. <laughs> he, he did, and I'm sure we're going to listen to him talk later in the show. But it, And he may talk about it, is the physicality he brought. Uh, right from the beginning, he started dishing out the hits instead of taking it time and time again he created uh turnovers through being physical and and laying the body and then the one thing and we talked about it off air when corpusalo gave him a, a blocker to the chin all of a sudden we're like huh i don't know if you want to wake him up because he's not going to beat you with a fight he's going to make you look dumb and at the end of the night i'm pretty sure i thought saw that connor had eight shots on net so he's like, all right, okay, if you guys are going to be like that, how can I get even or how can I, well, actually, he's never going to try to get even. How can I beat you? I will take the physicality, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to trump that with uh, my offensive prowess, and he scored some pretty goals, not, not, none prettier than the shorthanded goal when he saw Goudreau sitting back there on defense. It was a great night by Connor McDavid, and we've seen when he gets angry, he doesn't get angry by taking silly penalties. He gets angry by getting even on the scoreboard. They they took a shot away from the Oilers after the game ended, so it must have been one of McDavid's. So he finishes with <laughs> seven shots on goal, uh, two goals, two assists. He's plus three today in 22.50 of ice time. Every Oiler had a shot on goal except Devin Shore and Philip Broberg. They got to 47. Dreisaitl had five. bunch of guys had three or four. Uh, three Oilers were plus on the day. McDavid was plus three. Dreisaitl was plus one. Oh, pardon me, four Oilers. Four Oilers both Nurse and Barry were uh, plus one each in this 6-5. Loss to the Blue Jackets. Man, oh, man. Crazy game. Exciting, but uh, ultimately not good enough by the Oilers. And again, if you missed the start of this one, they trailed 4 nothing, 
six minutes and or pardon me uh, 556 into the second period so they were playing catch up most of the day never had the lead and for the second straight game they allow a goal in the second minute of the game the penguins scored a minute five in on thursday and the blue jackets scored a minute 14 in which that's been a problem at times for for this team allowing the the first goal sometimes an early goal even though in both cases, I guess in both games, in different ways, they fought back from it. Though this one, overall, the Pittsburgh game, they played a lot better. Yeah, but I, that's not something that you want to have in your in your game as you move forward down the stretch. When you're when you give up the first goal against Pittsburgh or Columbus, you have a chance of coming back. When you do that against the the Leafs and the Bruins and the Jets and the Stars, uh, the Golden Knights doesn't usually end up in a positive way for you. So uh, today, Pittsburgh. It happens. They were the better team early in the game. The first shot that was a that Pittsburgh got, they were able to put in. Today, they weren't better. I think Columbus came out and played exactly how they wanted to in the first period, and, and the Oilers didn't. So that first goal uh, was deserved by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Also a four-point game for Jack Roslovich. Two goals and two assists. He was picked as the first star. McDavid picked as the second star. Boone Jenner is selected as the third star tonight. He had a goal and an assist. Rob and I give out the fourth star for Jandell Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. Well, we almost always pick an oiler here, win or lose. Who are you going with? Uh, I'm going with Corpusalo. <laughs> You're going with Corpus <laughs> like, Seriously, with the, the Oilers were, and to me, that is just an indication of how good the Oilers were in the third period because they lost the game due to the fact that Corpus on the back end for the Columbus Blue Jackets was absolutely phenomenal in the third period against the Edmonton Oilers. All right, let's go back to Columbus here. Uh, a four-point game, as we were saying, but I'm sure he's ultimately disappointed. Here's Oilers captain Connor McDavid. All right, Connor, maybe if you can just start giving us a, your thoughts on how that game kind of turned out. Uh, yeah, not very well, obviously. Um, you know, we did a good job getting ourselves back in, but, you know, it's an embarrassing start. Um, and then it's an embarrassing finish. You know, it's, uh, yeah, not quite good enough. Is there anything that the Blue Jackets did that maybe got you guys on your toes to begin that game? Uh, they skated well. They're, they're, they're a fast team. You know, they make it hard. They work, they work, uh, they work hard and, um, you know, they uh, did a lot of good things early on and you know, I thought we, you know, did a good job taking over the game the last probably 30 minutes and, um, you know, just uh, came up short. Was there anything in particular that maybe sparked that pushback in the second period? They only had that four-goal lead for about eight minutes. Yeah, big goal by folks. You know, um, DR makes a really good play and, you know, takes a little abuse in front and, um, you know, makes uh, opens it up for folks and it's a big goal to get us going. You know, and then Soup comes in and makes a couple of big saves and, um, you know, our power play got uh, got a chance to go to work and. You know, found our way back in the game. Uh, seven straight games for the goal for Leon Dreisaitl. He kind of said at the All-Star break that he wasn't quite feeling like he was playing his best. What can you say about him over this little stretch? Yeah, he's been playing really well. You know, um, everybody goes through stretches where they don't feel great about themselves. And, um, you know, it seems like uh, maybe he was feeling that way, even though he was still producing. Um, you know, but he's come back in a big way. And, um, you know, he's playing really well and scoring goals like he, uh, like he always has in this league. Warren spoke, obviously, your stats on the statue, but he talked about your physical play. Did, did you feel like there was more of that for you uh, today than maybe some other games, just because of the way maybe they were playing or how you kind of sized that up? Yeah, I mean, sometimes as uh, as the leader of the group, you got to... Uh you had to do some stuff, and you know I thought uh, we might have been a little bit of flat, a little bit flat, and I just tried to play 
with a little bit of an edge and you know I thought our group did a good job of kind of responding and and uh, got ourselves back in the game. Okay, that's Connor McDavid. Yeah, called it an embarrassing start and an embarrassing finish. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure it was an embarrassing finish. Uh, it was not the finish that they wanted. Uh, it certainly was an embarrassing start for the the, the Oilers. I mean, Columbus is, is is a bad hockey club that's got a number of injuries right now. They don't know. They don't score goals. Yet somehow we're able to build a four nothing lead, and it wasn't until the Oilers got sparked by a Fogel goal and and a rash of penalties by Columbus that they got back in this hockey game. Uh, the finish was just a couple mental mistakes in, in uh, a 20-minute span that they were by far the better team. Uh, but you could feel, hear the disappointment in his voice. Um, I, I know that he doesn't usually s sound truly excited when he has his media availabilities, but this one, I think he's realizing the team has played so well for, for so long. This is a Columbus team that they should beat and I don't think he's happy with the way that the team started and then he's certainly not happy with the two late goals that Columbus were able to cement this game away with. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, they they didn't really didn't have a grade-A scoring chance until they started scoring. True. I mean, the, I, the only thing I wrote down, and, and it was a relatively low event first period. Yep. I don't think Columbus played great either, which maybe makes it even more frustrating because if the worst team in the league isn't doing much. You should at least be up one or two, you would think. The only, th the only thing I wrote down for the Oilers in the first period was that Leon, if he got all of his stick on that power play chance, it's a goal when he poked it just wide on, yep. on that little rebound. But even that was a scramble, and they happen all the time. Well, yeah, it, it, again, it, the Columbus Blue Jackets completely deserved the 4 nothing late lead they had. Fogel scored a goal on probably uh, a, a shot that shouldn't have gone in. And then St. Louis, or excuse me, I'm watching the St. Louis game here as we're doing this. Columbus got three penalties in a row, and the Oilers had a five-on-three. That's when the Oilers started rolling, when they got their penalty power play going. They scored the power play goal. Now just the, the snowball's starting to go down the mountain. It's getting bigger and bigger, and Columbus is just trying to survive the period. But up until the Fogel goal, you're right, they, they hadn't generated anything uh, and had zero really little emotion in the game and a lot like the first 40 minutes against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, what you're going to see come playoff team, playoff time, teams are going to look back and where have the Oilers struggled? What types of games have they struggled in? Low event hockey where just don't let them get any energy going. Don't give them any incentive to, to push the pace. If we just play low event, we can stay in these hockey games or we can win these hockey games. Because through 40 minutes against Philadelphia, again, that game, the Oilers turned it around, but it was on power plays again. So you play low event hockey and disciplined, you give yourself a good chance against the Oilers no matter what your record is. Uh, tonight we saw the Columbus Blue Jackets try to do that. It got eventful in this game uh, as the game went on, but you just can't... I, Six goals. To me, it, it doesn't matter how good Corpusalo plays. You give up six goals in a hockey game, you're going to have a hard time winning them. Blue Jackets win at 6-5. You will hear from Warren Fogle. We'll get to some of your phone calls as well. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Along the left wing, Marchenko coming out for Columbus at center ice. He'll shoot it in. Takes a hard hit on the play, too. 
Cam Moon calling the crunch of the game for Cougar Paint Collision. Our family helping your family for 40 years and counting the NHL official stat sheet has the hits in this game at 17 by the Oilers and 14 by Columbus. Uh, McDavid leading the leading hitter in this game. He's credited with five of the game's 31 hits, which <laughs> is probably sometimes the hit stats I feel aren't accurate. That's probably accurate tonight. 6-5, the Blue Jackets win it. Marchenko in the first. Jenner, Marchenko, Line, Fogel, Dreisaitl, McDavid, McDavid in the second. Roslovic, Roslovic, Hyman in the third. That's how we get there. Uh, Skinner takes the loss. Uh, he allowed two of the... Goals tonight, uh, Campbell allowed the first four. Corpusallo, the winning goaltender, with 42 saves. Okay, we'll go to Jim on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Jim. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good. Um, just a uh, quick thought. Um, I mean, um, Holmes, Holmes done what he's had to do, and um, um, Campbell's playing as well as he can. I, I think, though, it would be nice to actually trade for Corpusella. Uh, Corpusello, and um, I mean, you could send Campbell down to the minors. And I think the 1.3 of Corpusello versus the cap saving 1.125 is There's... kind of a wash. And then maybe Campbell gets his game back uh, for next season. But I'd rather go into the playoffs with uh, Corpusello and Skinner than Campbell and Skinner. Yeah, I don't think Campbell will be traded. There's zero chance the Oilers are going to trade for a goalie. These are their two goalies, and probably going to be their two goalies for the next three to five years. But no, not trade. Just send them to the minors. No, but yeah, but uh, they're not. Well, okay, well, they're not trading for a goaltender. It'll either be Campbell or Skinner. One of those two will be starting. The other will be backing up, and that's their goaltending tandem. They've put trust in Campbell with a five-year contract. They're not giving up assets to bring in a third goaltender. Yeah, yeah. I think these are these are the goalies. Uh, Corpus and well, the last two games against the Oilers, he's played great. He has. He's a pretty good goalie. I mean, he's had ups and downs, like a lot of goalies. But do you, have you watched every game he's played this season? No, I guess that's the, that's the, that's the catch. But yeah. I, I okay, don't know. thanks, man. We got other callers, Jim. Thanks. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I believe we got a uh, first time caller today. Joseph has given us a ring. Hi, Joseph. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Good. It's been a uh, first time caller. I've been watching the owner since nineteen seventy nine. I've maybe missed ten games in total. Uh, I'm just watching Campbell, and and he's so frustrating. I was hoping the owners would grab Huso back in, uh, when he was available, before Campbell. And, uh, like, his fourth goal that he did today, that's unacceptable. The guy was so slow moving to the post. Uh, you know, and another thing, why did they even start him when, when Skinner's been playing so well? I don't understand that. Skinner's playing great. Keep him in net until he loses or loses badly. Yeah, uh, well, know, I, I was wondering. I, I didn't know who they were going to start today until so, till they came out. And obviously, when was our last game? Pittsburgh. Oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, Skinner wasn't yeah. overly busy, but he played well. I, I think I, I do notice that, that I, I think Skinner moves better in the crease. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's a better positional goalie. I, I, I think Campbell Reed relies better. on his athleticism a little bit more. I agree 100%. But I, I also think now, and this is the thing, as, as, a, as a fan or an observer, you can agree or disagree, but it seems like they're a the coaching staff's approach, because it's not just Woody making the decisions with the goalie. Uh -huh. it, it, it's now having said that, Skinner had that stretch. He started what was it, 15 out of 19? It was quite a few. Yeah. So they yeah. so they have leaned on Skinner. I, I but I think you know Campbell had did have the nine wins in a row, and I think they want him to feel like, hey man, like we got you here to be the guy, and the playoffs are coming up. So I think yeah, that's why he's still going to get quite a few games. 
Yeah, but the nine games in a row where they got points or whatever, the 14 games where they got points, I mean, it was our, our players that got the goals. No, I mean, no, no, he, no, was very he, good. He, he won, when he won, he won nine games in a row, and I believe he didn't allow more than three in any of those games. He allowed, he allowed either one, two, or three in all nine games. He won nine starts in a row. Okay, I'll give you that, but uh, like $5 million a year for the next five years or or whatever, I think we're going to be screwed here down the road. Uh uh, hopefully not. Hopefully he gets his game together. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, Skinner should be the number one, and he should be the number two. That's yeah. Well, we'll. I mean, we'll see how it works out with the, with the contract. But I, I understand the the concern about Campbell. Okay. Uh, well, it, yeah, he had a stretch from. He came well. Okay, he, the LA game he came in in relief, but in his but, nine starts, when he had the nine but, wins in a row, he allowed f- three goals I, I four, four times. One goal once and two goals no, four times. Campbell, he, d- he did play well. Uh, the, come playoff time, the coaching staff will have to make a decision who's going to be their starter, and they may go, both of them may and probably will get games in in, in the playoffs. Uh, today was not on Campbell. Today it was on Well, the they first, needed a save, though, yeah, they needed save, 14 but, shots. But they also were tied going into the third, and Skinner let in two goals in the third when it was tied. Uh, they, defensively, and... They were terrible at times, and they played without emotion for the first 30 minutes of this hockey game. So this was not just on Campbell, and you heard Jay Woodcroft talk about it. This was on the team. He was not happy with the details his team had in the in the game, and rightfully so. I, I get the I, I totally get the concerns about Campbell, though. Yep. I, I don't want to brush those aside. I mean, he's he's paid like a number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had very good stretches in his NHL career. Coming in today, his save percentage was 887. I mean, he has a good win-loss record, 17-8-4. But the one thing that you give Jay Woodcroft with, uh, credit for is he's not looking at contracts when he plays them. As you oh, said, correct. earlier in the season, uh, Stuart Skinner, the backup, played 15 of 19 or something along that line. So they're going to play whichever goalie gives them the better chance. And if we, as they go down the stretch, if they feel Skinner's the better goaltender, Skinner will get those games. If they feel Campbell is, then Campbell will get those games. Uh, I give credit... To, to Woodcroft for that. He's not being forced to play Campbell. Uh, tonight he chose that this was the, the better chance. I mean, if you look at the way that the schedule's set up, this is a game that the Oilers should beat, the Columbus Blue Jackets. And with the Boston Bruins coming next, you're like, all right, we'll give the game to Campbell against Columbus. That has a very fresh Stuart Skinner for the Boston Bruins. So maybe that's why they were putting Campbell in tonight, to give him a game, feel have him feeling part of it. And then the more important or the tougher game, Stuart Skinner was going to get anyways against the Bruins. Well, I think it's pretty obvious now that Skinner will get that game no matter what. But uh, to me, there's... Well, the, the, the message is these are the Oilers' two goalies. Yep. You could, you've, you're welcome to criticize them. They're not making a move for another they're, goalie. They're not making no. a move for another goalie. And, and, and fair enough. I mean, we, you, you'd, you'd wish Campbell's save percentage were certainly over 900. <laughs> well, yeah. But you do. these are the guys. Okay, uh, we'll get to more of your calls. You'll hear from Warren Fogle. The Blue Jackets win 6 5. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Peak weights. The right wing to Goodrow. I'll bring it to center. Cut to the middle. Into the oiler end. Goes over to the left. He'll give it to Jenner. On net. A nice save made by Skinner as he got it with the right pad. 
Puck on the right wing. General shoot it. Stick saved by Skinner. Great stop by Stuart Skinner. All right, Skinner, save the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Skinner plays 32-12 and stops 10 out of 12 shots. Campbell played 25-56, stopped 10 out of 14. So the Oilers needed another save somewhere or a couple. Corpusalo stops 42 out of 47, and the Blue Jackets beat the Oilers 6-5. They're up 4-0. Edmonton tied it. They went up 6-5. Hyman got one back with Skinner pulled for an extra attacker. Oilers kept the pressure on but could not even it up again. So Edmonton's record now 32-20-8 on the season. Checking the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals, your one-stop source for commercial trailer rentals. Visit AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. The Rangers having a tough go here lately. Lose 6-3 to the Capitals. And Pittsburgh and St. Louis are scoreless in the first period. Games of note later, Vegas home to Dallas. Calgary plays the Avalanche. 7 o'clock tonight at Claire Drake Arena. I'm planning on going to this game. Did my show from there last night. Golden Bears against UBC. UBC leads the best of 3-1-0, so the Bears must win to force Game 3 tomorrow. The winner of the series will uh, go to the Canada West Final and also qualify for Nationals. Yeah, good luck to U of A, Ian Herbers and the boys. Sven Butenschon, who was briefly an oiler about uh, 22 years ago, coaches UBC. He's done a good job there. And Josh Williams, the former Edmonton Oil King, scored twice for UBC last night, including the game winner in the third. Well, I don't know him as well. I do know Sven. I played with Sven in Pittsburgh. A fantastic, well, when I was there, a fantastic young guy that uh, had a brief cup of coffee as a, a National Hockey League player. Uh, I'm sure that uh, the experience he has had has helped out with his university team. And from what I listened to you earlier, uh, one of the best UBC teams in a long, long time. And uh, I'm cheering for U of A, but good for Sven and his team. U of A looking for the quick change tonight for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Loop today. Okay, we'll go to the Certainty Hotline. We have Alex calling in today. Hey, Alex. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Uh, well, I was going to blow up on the air today, but I'm not going to because you guys have already heard me do that too many times. Um, but you know what? We've seen this act about six or seven times this year already where, you know, they don't come out to play. And, Rob, you said it. I mean, my God. I mean, you don't come out to play again for the first half of the game, and then you get, a you know, average goaltending, uh, below average goaltending. We've seen this lots of times this year you know i'm looking really looking forward to the next seven games i was just hoping that all these games were going to happen well before the tread deadline so so that uh holland and all of oil nation can see exactly what we've got but we're going to see it pretty darn quick here and uh you know we i don't know how the others are going to do because i honestly i don't even know what they're about I, I get these moments where I'm going, okay, okay, they're right there again. They've made it. They're a, a couple of points behind first place, and all of a sudden they play like this today, and you go, oh, my God. You know, and uh, I, I pretty well uh, have come to the conclusion that Hall is not going to make a big move because he can't. It seems to me because of the cap, because of this and that, and, you know, uh, it just doesn't seem like he's going to hit a home run. In saying that, it's going to be a darn shame if he can and an order has come up short this season again because I really do think the West is wide open. Uh, I don't know if it's wide open, but I, I believe there's three or four teams that could probably uh, get to the final. I thought Edmonton should be one of those teams. Not really too sure what's going to happen there. Anyway, 
Uh, that's all I got. Don't okay. really want to go on a rant because my wife hates it when I do it. So I love your show. Okay. Thanks, Alex. should listen to your wife more often. <laughs> we all should. Well, I don't have one, but I'm just saying. I'll tell you maybe, what. Maybe Alex I will, should. I will lend you mine for a while, and you can listen to that's, it for a while. That's weird. <laughs> well, just you know, she's actually laid up right now having knee surgery. Maybe she, you could have her for a little while because it's really busy in my house doing everything right now. I don't know who the favorite is in the West. Uh, I mean, Colorado is uh, right now the eighth seed. It might might be them. Uh, they have won four in a row. I, I think it is open. I, I do believe that any, if you look at any series that starts, uh, the Oilers, the, another team that could be in the wild card spot, the Minnesota Wild, give the Oilers huge headaches. Yeah. Dallas has got a good team. Winnipeg's got I don't I don't see any of those teams being a clear favorite, but I don't see any of those teams going into the playoffs uh, huge underdogs. And part of it is I think there's four points or five points separating first and eighth. Uh, that's why, I, and I talk with Bob a little bit, and you and I have talked off air, I'm a little surprised no Western Conference team has made any move so far in the playoff race because if the teams are all that close, you would think one would want to take a step to give itself a little bit better chance. Uh, it'll be interesting over the next seven days if any of these teams do and what they do, but it's not... Uh, uh, the Western Conference is, I think, very, very competitive. And I think going into it, the playoff run, uh, I think every one of those eight teams will feel they have the opportunity to move on to the finals because there's no clear-cut favorite. 6-5, the Blue Jackets win. James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. They are filling the net with 100 bucks to 6-3 Chet Santa's Anonymous every time the Oilers score. So $500 donation today. We have Steve on the Certainty Hotline. Go ahead, please, Steve. Reed, Rob, I want to focus on a couple of positives. Um, first, I think hockey is a great game when played at a high level. I just, I love the game, and I got to tell you, I think the people in Columbus today got uh, very good value for the tickets they purchased for that game. The two standouts for me that I really enjoy watching, honestly, today was Hyman and RNH. I just, Hyman can step on a speeding train and and just play excellent hockey. I mean, he occasionally makes a mistake, but it's not very common. So, yeah, I mean, we can rant about the negatives, but, man, today was an entertaining hockey game. Well, from a overall point of view in the NHL, this is what they want. I'm not saying specifically 4 nothing and it ends 6-5, but they don't want you turning off your TV or radio when it's a two-goal or more difference. Mm-hmm. Now, it's rare, as Jack said during the broadcast, and he sent me the games. There have only been two games this year in which a team trailed 4 nothing and won. But still, this was a, t- a game in which a team trailed 4 nothing and, and kept tied your, it. And, kept your and, interest. And kept your interest. I mean, if you didn't care who won, you might think like, oh, I guess I'll stick around and finish watching this. So, yeah, I mean, the, and there are more comebacks in the league this year in general. There are more goals. So just, I mean, it is entertainment at the end of the day. And... Um, they need people to watch <laughs> to, to, to make money and all that kind of stuff. So if you're, if you're, I mean, you look at NFL games and Super Bowls and great cups, they, they'll usually give you the ratings and they say, oh, it peaked in the fourth quarter. The NHL wants to be peak in the third period, not, oh, the ratings peaked in the second period when it was 
three nothing, and then everybody stopped watching. Yeah, it, highly entertaining game. Obviously, disappointing uh, result for Edmonton Oilers fans. But anyone that was in the stands in Columbus today left the rink, not only because of the win, left the rink pretty excited about the kind of game they saw. They saw the best player in the world put on an absolute show, as Connor McDavid did, and then they saw a Columbus team uh, respond when faced with adversity, uh, losing a four nothing lead. And having it tied after 40 minutes, that was adversity. Uh, a Columbus team that has not seen a lot of good things uh, going for them this year. And they responded in the third period with great goaltending and a couple timely goals. Adam wins $50 from River Cree Resort and Casino. He took the over and set the line. Shots on goal by the Oilers at 36 and a half. They got uh, all the way up to 47 today. Set the line, courtesy River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. I believe we have another first-time caller today. David checking in. David, welcome to the show. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Love listening to you two guys. Thanks. Hey, so I got a question for you. You guys are pretty intelligent. Rob, I really respect your opinion on things. So, Thank you very much. Would the team be better? This would be the fellow I would go after. Would we be better if we picked up uh, Shen from Vancouver and Anderson from Montreal? And uh, the guys that are moving out would be Bouchard, Yamamoto, Puviarvi, and my first. Well, I don't think they, you'd have don't to give up that much. Not to for get, Shen, certainly. For yeah. Shen, you could probably get a mid-round draft pick to get Shen. Okay. I think okay. Shen, I like Shen. He's got experience. He's physical. I, I think I read that he leads the league in hits over a certain amount of time. Uh, he's been on a championship team. I, I, yeah, I'd like to bring him. Having him as an experienced 6'7 defenseman makes you better. Anderson is a good hockey player. I, I do like him. I, you're not going to have to give up as much as you asked. You just said there to get him. But I don't know what his contract is. I don't know if he's available for Montreal. But uh, he brings you grit. He brings you speed. And he brings you size. He's a good hockey player. He has three years left after this one. He makes five and a half. He's 28. I'm not sure you're going to want to bring in a player with five and a half million dollars. Because you're already tight at the salary cap. So I'm not sure about that. But he, it would, if you got him, would you be a better hockey club? Yes. Yeah, uh, he has 17 goals, 23 points this season. But I mean, oh, he's got a Cy Young going too. He has a bit of a Cy Young, not as much as uh, Marchenko. Yeah, that's uh, those those are interesting ones for sure. That that you know would be players to round out the team without making a getting a headline player. Okay, we got to take a quick timeout. Uh, we'll get as many people as uh, in as we can on the open line before we go. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers lose six five in Columbus. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line. Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Jack Roslovich and Connor McDavid both with two goals and two assists, but Roslovich teams uh, Roslovich team wins it 6-5 Blue Jackets over the Oilers this afternoon. So a uh, Rare road disappointment for the Oilers. They're 18-9-3 away from home this season. They're going to host Boston on Monday. We will go to Tony on the Certainty Hotline. Tony, you're on with Robin Reed. Hey, boys. How's it going? Good. I have a question and a comment. My comment is I know everybody's going to blame the goaltenders for how bad today's game was, but let's be honest. Our defense looks like Swiss cheese today. Just too many bad turnovers just caused, uh, caused the big, big ripple effect. My question for you guys is, trade deadline coming up on Friday, do you think 
depending on what Holland does, it could determine what his job what his job is in Edmonton for next season. I don't think based on what he does. I think uh, come playoff time. Uh, actually, honestly, I still I think Holland will be here next year no matter what. He's got. Uh, he's only got a year left, right? I think yeah. if they were, to, if they would have missed the playoffs, which doesn't yes. seem likely now, then I think that that might have been it. I don't. I think he'll be here next year, no matter what happens. And I don't think the deadline will have anything to do with it. Well, I think, but he's, but Tony's saying the ripple effect of whatever he does or doesn't do in the deadline. Right? Yeah, but I, I don't think what happens at the deadline. I mean, if they were to lose four straight in the first round of the playoffs, maybe that. But if they, if they make no big moves, they make no moves at all at the deadline. I don't think that affects his contract next year. I think he will be the GM one more year for sure. All right, we also have Chris at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Chris, go ahead, please. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, so quick comment, quick question. So from the goaltending side of things, you know, I've always believed there's three pillars that make a good goaltender, and that's going to be natural ability in that reactionary time, and that's going to be uh, uh, on top of that is going to be positional play, and then the last piece is headspace. And I think Skinner's got all three of those, and we're in a good position. I think you're right with, with Skinner. And another thing I talked to a goalie coach that I work with, and he talked about how good a skater Skinner is that allows him to always be set and ready for shots coming in. So I think Skinner has that as well. So I think Skinner's going to be a very good goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers for years. That, that, is, the, that is the one thing I notice, and I, and I have talked to a couple goalie-type people. <laughs> well, who know, who know, because it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's can be an elusive position to explain. But I feel like, I feel like Skinner squares up to the shooter basically better. 100%. No, yes. when Campbell's on, he does it. But when Campbell is maybe a little off, he seems to be, you know, reaching or, or diving and not always in this bright space for the puck to hit him. He might rely, I don't know if, I, I don't think he's thinking this, but as an observer, I feel like he might rely a little more on his athleticism, whereas Skinner is going to rely on, I'm going to be in the right place before I worry about having to dive around. Well, yeah, and it goes to what you and I have talked about a lot is we, it, Skinner looks like to be a much bigger goaltender. And part of that is he's always square and big to the puck already, whereas Campbell seems to be coming across. Uh, Elliot Friedman reporting that, uh, well, I'll just read what he wrote. Hearing Winnipeg is acquiring Nino Niederreiter from Nashville. So that'd be a bit of a move in the West. It would be. Uh, not one that moves the needle a, a whole lot, but will make them a little bit better depth-wise. And they just lost Perfetti, a young offensive player, I believe for 8 to 12 weeks. So that will be a move that will shore up uh, a deficiency because of an injury. All right. Well, so have Sir Robert on the line. Sir Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm. I guess I'd say I'm a little. I'm a little disappointed with the ending. I mean, the middle and leading up to Columbus scoring the winning goal. I guess was rather entertaining. I mean, I, I thought when they were down four, I thought. I kind of thought it was over. Was going to go back to bed. Glad I'm. I mean, I'm glad I didn't. But uh, uh, that being said, I think obviously, I guess I, could, I guess I just quickly say this. Uh, I think we're going to find out a lot about this team on Monday because uh, you just lost twice to the worst team in the league, and now you've now you've now you've got the top team in the league coming into your building. So I think it's going to. I think. How the Oilers play on Monday, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna find out a lot just just based on how did 
whether or not this game against Columbus has any kind of ripple effect or whether they're able to just shrug it off, not even so much if they beat Boston, but depending on, I guess, I guess their effort as a whole in that game will yeah. tell me a lot. Well, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing if the Oilers go 0-4 against Boston, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Winnipeg, because those are all good teams. And then once you're done with Winnipeg, you can't make any more trades or, or roster moves except for call-ups and call-downs. I mean, look, I, I think... I, I really feel we could probably boil it down to this. When the Edmonton Oilers are not on their game, they make too many big mistakes. And then if one of the goalies isn't on his game then those mistakes turn into goals. Because yep. they have had games they've made mistakes and the goalies have bailed them out, both Campbell and Skinner, to, yep. be, to be fair. Um, and they've had a, they've had some games where they've played pretty tidy yep. and haven't made a lot of big mistakes. But it, it seems like when the Oilers... I mean, every team makes mistakes. Watch, watch any game neutrally, there's turnovers. Good defensemen get beat or turn pucks over. Forwards turn pucks over. But what you know, where does it happen? Who are they giving the puck yep. to? Uh, when, when the Oilers have bad games... Um, you know, it happens at their blue line in front of their own. Uh, I mean, the past Broberg tried the long aerial pass up the middle today. It gets knocked down. They walk in and score. Well, having said that, uh, in this game tonight, Columbus made more mistakes than Edmonton. A lot more mistakes. A lot of big mistakes. Uh, their goaltender bailed them out when they did that, more so than the Oilers' goaltender bailed them out. All right, Rick, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Rick. Hey, how's it going today, boys? Pretty good. Good. Um, yeah, everybody seems to be just crapping all over Campbell, but, you know, I, I think that uh, he can have a bad game, and I think, you know, today in a couple of instances he had a bad game. And I was listening to it, so I wasn't watching it, so I really don't know what the position of play of guys are. But, you know, our, our D time seems to be Sonic, uh, so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that there was some breakdowns there that uh, allowed the shot that he could make or didn't make and felt like that fourth one he should have probably had but uh, at the same time I think looking towards that trade deadline if a guy doesn't just go for you know like a, like everybody's been kind of talking about a shutdown defenseman as opposed to uh, Carlton which is like almost a, a dream in the sky right but I, you know I think you've kind of alluded to that that maybe that's you know if we could go for something like that like that fellow was talking about Luke Shen and maybe somebody else that you know would just give us like solid, solid defense. Like we we can score goals. We proved that today. And if you score five, you should win, right? So yeah. that's kind of my comment. Yeah, that that makes sense, and, and that's why you know I've thrown the name Shen out there in the past. That wouldn't be a sexy deal, but um, I mean, Vinny Deharnay has come up, and I mean, you and I noted it a couple times during the game. Rob backhand the puck out to center. Flip it out, get it to the next zone. He knows he's a punter, so he punts. Well, he, he plays to his strengths. And he wound up even today. No. <laughs> his team gave up six goals. I mean, the Oilers would love to have a little more depth on the back end. They really would. Because if, if something goes down, someone goes down, they don't want to be calling. I don't even know who their next defenseman is that they would call up. Niemalainen? Niemalainen, probably. Who, the reason he's in the minors is they don't feel he's capable of playing at this level. So you'd want to have somebody with some veteran uh, leadership, some veteran experience as a seventh or eighth defenseman. So I think that's what the Oilers need at the deadline. Yeah, and that's why they got Murray, but now he's hurt. Yeah, and, and, th and that's that's the nervous thing, right? You, they're playing, they're playing their seven best defensemen. Yes, and it's a big drop off. They're, yeah, that's 
yeah, of course they're playing this. But yeah, that's what I meant. Then they're, the next guy up isn't isn't a hugely experienced guy. No, so that's why. And Nima Linen has you know good a good physical dimension. But if they thought he could handle everything else, he'd be playing right now. And you don't want to be bringing a guy up for the playoffs who has been playing against American Hockey League talent for three, four, five, six months, whatever it is. You want a guy that is playing at this level right now because if he goes into the playoff, the intensity and the speed is just going to be that much higher than a regular season NHL game. The difference between an AHL game and an NHL game playoff time would be humongous. Okay, 6-5, the Blue Jackets win. We will uh, get to John, Walt, and Jamie. We're going to take uh, three more calls here after the news. You'll also get post-game reaction from Warren Fogle. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Black takes him to the right wing. Gets tied up in skates, and it's McDavid that comes out with it. McDavid's going to skate down the right wing. Yamamoto joins him. In over the line, he's going to cut to the net. Scores! Connor McDavid! Wow. What a rush up the ice! A shorthanded goal, and the Oilers are now within one. Well, an amazing shorthanded goal by McDavid from inside his own blue line along the left wing boards diagonally across the neutral zone to the right wing boards so he could go up against Johnny Goudreau around Goudreau puck under Corpusalo got the Oilers back within a goal McDavid would later tie it with his 48th of the season but Columbus wins 6-5 as Roslovich gets two in the third for Columbus okay we also have John on the certainty hotline John you're on with Robin Reed go ahead Hey guys, um, I just want to say what I what I what any, what I miss about hockey or what we need more is more blood and guts hockey players like um, Reed. Like remember you know like Ethan Morrow, Todd Harvey, Kevin Kaminsky, Matthew Barnaby. Like you know what I mean, guys that that'll like drag your team into the fight. You know what I mean? Like uh, um, everyone's talking about Luke Shen, and and I think we should get Luke Shen because you know why? Because he's the closest thing we've had to Jason uh, Smith in Edmonton since Jason Smith. I guess Darnell's sort of blood and guts a little bit, but. You know what I mean? Like a guy who gives a, um, uh, I can't say that word on the radio, but, um, you know, guys like, uh, like Clem Coston, he's sort of like, uh, well, he's not Ethan Morrow, but he's a little bit like that. Um, you know what I mean? Don't you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, I think so. Like a young Rob Brown. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, Jack, Cam- Jack Campbell, I think he's basically, I don't think he's uh, a legitimate number one. I think he's basically Miko Koskin in uh, 2.0, but, um, but, I don't know, like, like there's blood and guts players around the league, like Tom Wilson and Michael Furland was like that. I used to like him, uh, like when he wallpaper BX up against the boards in the playoffs. Um, I don't know, like the Oilers, no, they're almost well, they're almost devoid of that. Well, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I think Evander Kane's that kind of player. I think Clem Costin's that kind of player. I think Zach Hyman uh, is close to that kind of player. This, the NHL is a skilled league now. So there's, you can only have so many of those players on your team. Uh, I, I, th- I think the Oilers have really addressed the fact over the last couple of years they needed more physicality. And uh, DeHarnay brought up from the minor just because he's a big, heavy body that plays that way. So, I mean, you always love a little bit of nastiness or meanness in your lineup, but the Oilers, uh, the Oilers don't get pushed around. And as we saw tonight, the Oilers' best player and the best player in the world led all players in hits. 
So the Oilers are not a team. The, the Oilers a lot of times bully the other team, and that's something that wasn't said two, three years ago. 7804960063. We also have Walt standing by. Hi, Walt. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Edmonton get one more good defenseman, like Dayarnay, or however you say that. Anyways, <laughs> get rid of Pooley Harvey and then just play hockey and they'll do fine. Uh, they got two good goalies. They have their off days, like today, maybe a little bit, but then it wasn't just him. But. Uh, I think they got good goalies. They got lots of good sharp shooters that can score lots of goals. Need one more good tough defenseman yeah. and play hockey. Well, yeah. again, right. scoring goals is not a problem for the Oilers. They're nope. first. They're first in the league. I think there's two things. And two players the Oilers will get at the deadline. They will get a depth defenseman that plays with some ruggedness, and they'll look for a bottom six forward, right hand guy that can win face offs and penalty kill. I think those are the two things you're going to see the Oilers do at the deadline. Well, ideally. Ideally, I th- and I think they will. It might be as they might not get the two that they want, but I think they will get two players that fit that bill. Where they are uh, on your scale of 1 to 100, I don't know, but I do believe they will get those two players. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Even with, uh, they're still kind of a top-heavy scoring team, but, you know, McLeod's up to 10, Fogel's up to 11, Ryan's up to 10. Mm-hmm. Barry has 10 from the back end. I mean, there's some players that, you were hoping for for more from if you want to talk about Yessi or or Yamamoto or or Bouchard, but yeah, I mean s- scoring is not a problem. No, no. defending is. I mean, today, yeah. again, they scored five goals today. That should win most hockey games. Yes, they gave up six. Yeah. All right. We also have Jordy on the line. Jordy, go ahead, please. Hey guys, I don't know if this has been discussed or not yet, or if I missed it, and I don't exactly know their cap situation, but. Couldn't the Oilers do the attempt, take something out of the Tampa Bay playbook if, uh, say, Evander Kane is out until the beginning of the playoffs, leave him on uh, whatever long-term uh, IR and then use that cap room to go after, say, maybe with some other moves that marquee defenseman like uh, Carlson? Obviously, I know people are saying, let's trade Pugliarvi. Well, obviously, if he had trade value right now, that would have been... That would have already happened. Yeah. So well, that's, that's I think Kane will be happen. back yeah. in, a, in a week or two, so I don't think they want to leave him out yeah. of action. Kane will be back shortly. Yeah. Uh, oh, you are capable of doing that. If you, a player yeah, is that's, injured. that's a good question. Like, if you were like, well, you're going to be back with three games left in the regular season, well, we're going to hold off. You're not going to be back. But I don't think they, they want to do that, and they want to get. they want to get Kane going here. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, somebody called me last year and said, we'll just trade for all these injured players. But, you know, I've, I talk to people who do cap stuff in the NHL, and they're like, it's not quite that easy. It's not a – like somebody said to me, LTIR is not a get-out-of-jail-free card because you can't you can't exceed the cap until you're at the cap, right? Now, I know the orders are, but, I yeah, I, I just don't think they would do that with a player that is able to play well, and then, one wants to play. I mean, Kane's already missed half the season. And the NHL is very, very uh – into making sure that the player you have on LTIR is actually injured. So you can't have Evander Kane skating with the team for the next two months and then all of a sudden say, okay, he's ready to play now. Uh, they they have to talk to doctors. you got to make sure that player that's injured is really injured, and Kane isn't. He'll be back playing. So it is a good question, and I, I saw there's a couple teams right now, Vegas. Well, Patrick Kane once missed a whole bunch of time, right? And the, Kane, the Hawks went over and then... 
<laughs> then he came. Well, it'll be a interesting. ten million dollar player well, in the playoffs. They but. just said that Mark Stone now they believe he's out till the playoffs if he's back at all. They're going to have his money available pretty soon, so, and that's in Vegas. So they got, I think that's nine million dollars they have to play with going forward, uh, and that's a team that continues to win despite missing their best player and their number one goaltender. Uh, but it's not something that you're supposed to be allowed to abuse. It's something that if you do have a player with a serious injury, uh, it, it's not supposed to um, handcuff you going forward. Yeah. Yeah, right, but it, the, yeah, the Oilers would sooner have Kane in the play, lineup. Playing well, than the Oilers are trying to win the conference. And Evander Kane makes them a better hockey club. All right, 6-5, the Blue Jackets win it. Warren Fogle scored today his 11th of the season. Here he is. Maybe you take us through at 4 nothing. what was sort of, it's just kind of a little bit of a rally there on the part of the team, what you guys were thinking that led you to push back so hard. Yeah, I think first off, we we got to show up on time, and I don't think enough, uh, enough of us did that. And... Uh, for the rally, you know, you know, it starts with our captain, you know, he's throwing big hits, you know, trying to get everyone involved and um, You know, I think that set the tone for us to, you know, a message to the team to wake up and obviously you saw what he did on the, the stat sheet as well, but um, I think as a group we just got to we got to show up for a full, full 60 and you know uh, We kind of left uh, soup out to dry there when you talk about starting on time, is that something you can kind of feel, or is it just more as the game gets going? They're obviously motivated at home. It's a big day for them to play a team like yours. Yeah, uh, you know, we're all professionals here. You know, we, we all have to, you know, dig in and find a way, and tonight we didn't. Is there anything about these morning games that maybe throws off your routine trying to get into these early morning games? Um, you know, the other team's doing the same thing, right? So I don't think that's, a, you know, a fair excuse. So we got to show up and on time, and, you know, tonight we didn't. What does it say about the team that they are at least able to battle back after a four-goal deficit? Yeah, no, uh, you know we've done that plenty of times this year, and kind of what I just said there, you know, you know Connor throwing those hits is going to get everyone to wake up, and you know, like I said though, we we got to show up on time. You know, this group we've come back before, and you know we shouldn't be putting ourselves in that position. What about for you right now? Is there anything different that's? you're doing or happening that you're on a real nice roll and got this rally started by the way yeah but uh, i was on for four goals tonight you know that that can't happen especially as a depth player you uh you can't be on for any goals and let alone four so i have to be better and 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 i know i will is there anything specific that the columbus boat jackets did that maybe gave you guys a little bit of trouble uh, I just thought they came out hard and, and we didn't and we know we we know what we have to do It's just you know us doing it uh, more consistently and you know, we just didn't tonight All right, that is Warren Fogle and the Oilers disappointed They were down four nothing to Columbus. They tied it 4-4 and they lose 6-5 to so their record 32-20 and 8 they don't make up any ground in the Pacific race, Vegas with 75 points. They play tonight. L.A. won last night. They have 74 points. Oilers with 72 points. And the Kraken have 70. Next game broadcast presented by Friesen Brothers is Monday, 5 o'clock face-off show game at 6.30 as the Oilers will take on the mighty Boston Bruins. Get more on this game, more on the Oilers, 630chet.com, globalnews.ca. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this afternoon. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.